When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we are off and potting here at Pat's Interference. And in case you missed the first episode or you just skim the description on this one, or I don't know, just suffer from incredibly unfortunate short-term memory loss, I am still Andrew Callahan for the Boston Herald, your host here at Pat's Interference, and still incredibly pumped to have you. Because I got to tell you, our launch earlier this week went much better than expected. And this isn't to say, you know, we had any concrete numbers or hope for what this would look like. But look, when you start a podcast in 2022, and particularly a sports podcast, and in a market like New England, which is saturated enough with Patriots coverage as it is, you know you're jumping into a super crowded pool and are likely to land on someone and take some time to carve out some space. I got to tell you, we are swimming right now, and we are treading water, and we are going to thrive here because the feedback has been good. The reach hit local radio and TV, and we want to build upon that. All right, this is going upward and onward, thanks to guests like we had last week. Tommy Curran, Kevin Clark, Mike Giardi, Jeff Howe, Doug Hyde. They were all great. Thanks to those guys. I'm very fortunate to have some friends, including a guy like Danny Kelly, who is on this week for episode two for a giant Patriots draft preview. Now, before we get to Danny, I'll just say that opening episode we had intentionally had a lot of topics that have some staying power. So if you missed it, you can go back this week, next week, or honestly, probably until the end of training camp, because Questions about the coaching staff, which we cover with Tommy Curran, are going to hover over this team for a long time, probably until there's real football. You can always talk analytics, a very evolving, constantly new part of the sport, as we did with Kevin Clark. There's some Tom Brady commentary from Mike Jardy. Go back and listen if you haven't. If you did, thank you. And it's safe to say you like what you heard because you're back here now. And in that case, I'll add one more thing. You're going to love what comes next. Because the way I looked at this podcast is to kind of think of how the first couple seasons were of your favorite TV show. And it really doesn't matter what it was, but let's go for the lowest hanging fruit on Twitter. Any Michael Scott gif is just an instant 10 retweets, likes, whatever you want to call it, because of how The Office has taken off. But when you go back and watch those first two seasons, The Office or any other show, like they took some time to find their lane, to cut out some characters or storylines that weren't working, right? We're going to do the same here. We are going to hit our stride and continue to build on this, where I said in the trailer in the opening part of the first episode, hey, we're going to cover everything. A day later, I'm thinking, you know what, that's probably not true, but it's going to be 90% true. And we're going to cut out that 10% a la Devin in season two, getting fired instead of Creed, or Michael's hairline getting reseeded to start season two after season one. I'm not going to be reseeding. That will cost and take a lot more time and effort. But you get my point. We're going to build on the things we do well, find the stuff that we can cut out, Next week, I'll tell you, we have a former Patriots player from the early Super Bowl teams, old Bill Belichick story, some draft talk. If it goes well, great. If not, we'll move in a different direction. So stick around is a long way of saying that. Lastly, Danny Kelly, 
he was awesome. Um, I'll tell you, say earlier in our conversation just about how he and I don't see each other a whole lot, but when we do, you know, it's not unlike a friend you had in college who was in a classroom, you didn't see him a whole lot, but you would go out to the bar and see him later or at a house party, you lock eyes, you take an extra second to make sure you lock eyes and go, hey, that's Danny. And when you get together, we're talking draft, mostly Patriots, but also big picture. He was terrific. Read him, listen to him on the ringer. He will never waste your time and doesn't hear today. Then we have our first mailbag. Just three questions. You guys are a little bit shy this week. Again, we're going to build. Not a problem. Before we get to all that, our first ad read. Bet online is a place that I go for my bets and is a place that you should go for your bets, especially with the Celtics rolling as they are. And our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find the latest odds, as I mentioned, on the NBA playoffs, MLB regular season, NHL playoffs fights, and even season-long futures. And don't forget baseball's back. I just mentioned MLB regular season. You could do the Sox tomorrow night, season long on the Sox, whatever you want. It's all there. Bet online is in your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. So it's super easy to get started. And here's the best part. When you go there via the website or your cell phone or iPad, whatever it is, and you use promo code CLNS50, you get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So that's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus in that first deposit. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Now, this podcast, where it really starts, Danny Kelly, right now. Okay, Danny Kelly of The Ringer is here to talk all things Patriots and draft. And Danny, first of all, I, I read everything you write. It's a pleasure to have you on. But I got to say, the best part about this interview for me is just like the concert vibe and energy I get when we see each other because it's always had a, it's always had a big event we yep. usually have a beer in hand and it's like we're groupies for the league and I'll see you next year and it's just gonna be a great time like what's up buddy so yeah I think we, we ran into each other at the combine uh and just in that that bar of high velocity yeah yeah great, great name by the way um yeah it's it's so funny how that works the NFL like media apparatus is always like it's the Super Bowl the, the combine are you going to go to the draft? I'm not going to the draft actually this year, but no, I'm few, not shockingly. I couldn't swing a trip with the newspaper to go to Vegas for a day or two, which is widely <laughs> televised. But I said, yo, make it worth your while. We'll get the, uh, you know, backdoor. So we'll make a Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler story. And I, I need to like get on that. I need to get on that for next year. I think just uh, figure out a way to finagle my way into there. Yeah. You're already on the West coast too. So not that that would be yeah, like an easy yeah. drive, but you know, <laughs> might as well zip on down there. So yeah, like I said, we want to cover all things in the draft. I think, you know, as I just kind of said to you off air mid late April, the group think just seeps in Twitter is yes. no longer interesting. It's the same clip. So before we get into that, I think just locally that happens here too, right? Like everyone here covering the Patriots, we're looking at three cones for receivers. Hey, Daxel for Michigan. That's a dude who can play quarter and safety. Awesome. Yep. Put him on yep. your mock. Yep. And it's, it's a good take. I just want a national perspective from someone like you who is looking at the tendencies and styles of all these different teams, mm -hmm. how they draft, what they're good at, what they're not. So when I say a typical Patriots draft looks like blank, what do you, what do you say? <laughs> That's actually a tough one. The first thing that came to my mind was not overdrafting, but drafting some surprise day two, uh, like defensive back of some sort that I've never heard of, or like that <laughs> I was expecting to go in the fifth round. Um, versatility athleticism I think are a couple of big other ones that like come to mind long defensive ends and, and sort of defensive uh, linemen type guys that can kind of play along the line those are the first few things that come to my mind when I'm putting together mock drafts trying to figure out what the Patriots are going to do last year I feel like they kind of hit things down the fairway you know yep. 
in taking a quarterback and then Barmore, who I loved, I thought he would have been a first rounder. So getting him in the second, I thought was a huge steal for you guys. Um, and so like, I don't know what we can take from last year, honestly, but because uh, it, it felt like a more just sort of vanilla Patriots draft. But if it, in the past, I sort of always seem to be surprised with guys that they take early on. Right. And there was a distinct change last offseason, not only coming off a seven to nine season, but you have a guy, Dave Ziegler, who goes up to be their new just de facto GM. Mm-hmm. And he started in Denver as a rare front office guy to have an outside perspective. And they kind of blended what he had learned because even Robert Kraft came out and said, look, our drafts have sucked. You know, we, we, <laughs> we, we need, need to embrace change here. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm not spending, you know, 160, whatever million guaranteed every off season. So we're looking more into analytics. And of course, none yeah. of those specific changes come out, but you could see it where, okay, they need a quarterback. They'll grab one, you know, defensive tackle, a position they always valued pretty highly day one or day two, but they had big schools, guys with big production, Ramondre Stevenson, who was a fourth round talent, but one of those guys who, where he's a, a day two talent that falls because of, you right, know, right. smoked weed once, whatever it was. And those are the guys they took obviously hit. So I'm curious whether they go back to their old model. Like I was just asking you about, yeah. or kind of stick with some newer guys. Cause there's some real needs here in the first round for them. Yeah. I I'm wondering if that, that will change now. And I think, you know, I covered the Seahawks closely. They've kind of done the same thing as the Patriots. They, they always seem to have like the surprising random day one and day two picks. And, and, um, I think, you know, just from my point of view, like sometimes you should trust the wisdom of the crowds a little bit and, and just mm-hmm. be like, look, man, let, again, it's just like, let's just take a, like a single here and let's just make sure we get a productive guy that we can plug into it. Let's stop trying to like swing for the fences on guys mm-hmm. um, or think generally in, you know, look, the, you know, there's a lot to back up the fact that Belichick and, and company are like smarter than everyone else, but like, let's not always think we're smarter than everyone about everything. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about like, my Seahawks, like the team that I covered the closest for a long time is like, they just need to stop getting cute. And I think that the Patriots, like, like what you're saying, like maybe the Patriots just realized we need to stop getting cute about this. Stop reaching on guys. Stop thinking we know better than sort of the wisdom of the crowds and just kind of pick those, um, you know, not boring picks, but like just solid date, like solid drive right down the fairway pick. Yeah. Liner to left. We'll take it. Let it drop in a blue <laughs> right. counts the same as smashed off the wall, but you got to stop it yeah. first. Cause it was hit too hard. Like I I'm with you there. And it's funny you bring up the Seahawks, which I obviously I knew was going to come up at some point in our conversation, but <laughs> sorry, when, sorry. when Pete Carroll was at the comment, I don't know if you saw this, he was talking more schematically like, Hey, we're okay. We got to make some changes that like, we're not doing the spot drop yes. cover three. We should have changed this. And he called them. He was like, we've been arrogant with our scheme. Mm-hmm. And I think that same attitude is something the Patriots kind of ran into last year, where since 2016, you're looking at a bottom 10 team in terms of draft production which they dealt some top picks whatever but the value they were getting just wasn't there 2021 obviously you got three home run picks and we'll see what some other guys come in um so i think they've gotten over that that arrogance but uh all right let's yeah. get right into guys you look at for a quarter a half and you just go boom patriot fit i don't care if it's first round fourth or seventh who are some of these guys so a couple of the corners I really like for you guys, Kyrie Elam from Florida is, is a guy that I've kind of been eyeballing Andrew Booth from Clemson, who I, mm-hmm. I've heard whispers recently because he had a couple of injuries during the pre-draft process. He may fall into the second round. So he might be a steal in the second, because I think he's a first round player. Um, both, both of those guys have size. They can match up and press. They can play off. Like I think they're versatile and can kind of do whatever you need. They have the size speed combo um, length, um, you know, to be sort of, the type of guys that can develop into a shutdown corner, obviously like losing JC Jackson and um, having older, some older guys in that, in that secondary, I think that you have to start looking to the future. And then, so those are guys that I've been sort of connecting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then like if Trent McDuffie from Washington falls, I think he's another guy that's super versatile, you know, again, like he's really fast and, and explosive in the short area, but he lacks length. Maybe that's like a reason he'll fall a little bit. Um, so like in the cornerback position, those are some guys I've, I've been sort of pairing with the, the Patriots thinking they need to start addressing the secondary. Um, I know that linebacker has been a popular one for, for the Patriots in terms of mock drafts, but I have a hard time seeing that honestly, like, yeah, uh, I guess my point of view is I have a hard time figuring out what the Patriots want at linebacker because Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd are the two guys that most often I think are paired with the Patriots, but I don't know if either of those guys really fit what they want to do. And it, it's kind of hard to like figure out exactly how they, they view, you know, the linebacker position because they've had multiple different kind of like style guys back there. But generally yeah. speaking, I think bigger guys like has been sort of the the standard. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Nicobe Dean because I was chatting with um, someone about this the other day and like the most common comparison for him I've seen coming out of Georgia, six foot, whatever, if that, 229, has been Jonathan Vilma from 20 years ago, which there was a book written by Michael Holley, still works locally here in the market. He was as in-depth and inside with the Patriots as anyone in the early 2000s. And he goes back to that 03 draft and Bill had this list that he kept to himself, Belichick, of like, guys, I just really want. Now, of course, the names that come out are, are guys that are now Hall of Famers are very good. Troy <laughs> sure, Palomalu. Sure. But right. on that list was Jonathan Bilma. And that was okay. an era, as you know, you know, base defense was the name of the game. We're playing four, three, three, four, bigger yep. linebackers. And he still wanted to go for him. Vilma was a good player. And that's why I don't think they'll reach. I'm with you. But they've admitted, and even Matt Groh, their new director of player personnel, we need to get faster. That goes defense, offense, special teams. And he's a guy who you trust with the playmaking, the instincts, good, yeah, high-character yeah. guy, and obviously he can he can make plays. Yeah, that, okay, well, that's good to know. That's interesting. And and because I, I do have a hard time trying to, like, I guess, you know, interpret what, what they're going to want there. Maybe Bill is just flexible enough. He just wants really good players, you know, and, like, yeah. figure out how to use them. I think that's kind of been his MO is, like, let's just get good smart players in here that guys that'll, that'll run the scheme that we want to run and we'll figure out how to utilize them to their best ability. That's why he consistently has such a good team every year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think linebacker is certainly a need and, and, and something that the, you guys could look at in the, in the first or second round. Um, you know, the receiver conversation comes up, I'm sure a lot for you guys. I kind of hope they don't take a receiver just because I'm a fantasy guy. And like, <laughs> I just would rather not see like another top tier fantasy uh, receiver go to the Patriots. But, um, but I think that could be certainly something they look to do. Uh, I think that the, the idea that they are like terrible at drafting receivers is maybe a little overblown considering they haven't done like a ton of drafting of high end receivers in terms of the first round. Right. Um, obviously Nikhil Harry drags down the, the batting average a lot, but, um, but I think generally like I, I saw an article from Mike Reese, like, talking about how they've drafted like the third fewest receivers like in the in the Belichick era of any team in the NFL so yeah they just don't have the patience for it you know you're not going to play but I I think weirdly almost you know and I I don't think they'll take a receiver in the first round but you look at their depth chart you know the top four is pretty locked in and say we Mm -hmm. will about a Nelson Aguilar or Jacoby Myers but Mm -hmm. those two are going to be up next year in terms of contract so you need someone in 2023 who can play so if you have that red shirt year on a day two guy and everyone's throwing out people like Sky Moore, if Jahan Dotson yep. falls out of the first round, Christian Watson, North Dakota state, this is a time where you can say, wait, you know, we don't need to rush you and have all the option rounds kind of flood in your head and all the reads right. downfield, like just sit it out and we'll bring you in next year. But for them, they also want to win now because you got Mac Jones in the rookie contract. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the balance. Um, I think I'd lean that they probably won't do it in terms of grabbing a receiver in the first round, but I think you just have to kind of consider it. And then um, to me, like, I don't know the Patriots, what their plan is going to be, but I always kind of 
picture them drafting like big, long, athletic defensive linemen. That's why I like so the Barmar pick made perfect sense to me because I really like Barmar um, coming in. And so guys like Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, if those guys fall, like oh, I could see them. them Jordan Davis. Those. Yeah, like and he might fall, honestly. Like there, I think there are enough of legitimate concerns of his ability to play on three downs. Like mm-hmm. is he quote unquote worth the first round pick if he's only going to be play, playing like, you know, 20 to 30 snaps a game? Uh, that I think is a question some teams are going to have and and maybe like look at a different direction. Devontae Wyatt's another guy who, um, you know, one of the most explosive defensive tackles we've seen in history, honestly, in like the combine testing era. Um, But he's just getting so overshadowed by Jordan Davis because Jordan Davis was (laughs) as any human being. Yeah. yeah, It would be under six, six, three forty one. Yeah. He's literally blotting out the sun being overshadowed. Like he's (laughs) like, yeah. So um, I think he's another really good player. Like in any other year, he'd probably be the defensive tackle one. Maybe Jordan Davis is that if, if Jordan Davis is that guy this year. Um, but I think I could see it, him get Wyatt getting drafted before Davis, just because he's a little um, more, I guess, just traditional sized and, and, and maybe the, the utilize more effectively in sort of what the modern defenses do in terms of moving guys around. And um, you know, so I think that those two guys come to mind. Um, Logan Hall is another guy that I always kind of feel like, the Patriots are going to like um, very long, tall can play all over the line. I think he's sort of a tweener, but like some teams are going to see him as a guy that can like rush off the edge on some downs, go on side rush, like against guards and in other situations. Um, very athletic guy. I think he's an ascending player too. And then Travis Jones from UConn is sort of like the arbitrage version of Jordan Davis. Yes. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> are you I got my proud UConn shirt on for those just listening, nice. but yeah, I've, I've been waiting for this. I had him day two. I think they're picking 53 or 54. And it, and it yeah. sounds like, you know, for people like you who know better than me, he might not even make it all that way. Yeah. I think, so it, I was putting my scouting report together on Logan, uh, sorry, Travis Jones. And I had him a little bit lower just because like, I got into my head like, oh, he's a run stuffing defensive tackle, right? Or whatever. But then like, as I was writing my thing, writing my art, writing my report, it was like elite size, elite athleticism, (laughs) you know, dominated the senior bowl. I'm like, why is this guy so low? I need to move him up. And so like, I ended up putting him at, I think I have him at 36. Mm. Um, And I could see him sneaking into the first round because that the people chase that elite elite athleticism um it is one of those things that you can't really teach guys that are that big to move that way there's only it's the planet theory there's only so many guys like that on the planet yeah i was just gonna say george young wrote about that with jordan davis (laughs) in my first book it was like look at some point like we talked about initially don't overthink it the dude is 330 he can two gap he's done it before he dominated his best competition of the senior bowl like just go ahead and pull the trigger it doesn't matter he went to the best university on earth but you know it's just a it's just a it's just a bonus (laughs) yes exactly that too that too yeah I like it. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting with the Travis Jones conversation, because that also gets into some, you know, positional value, right? Like you're banking right. on guys, you know, who they'll fall based on intel you have, but also the team needs behind you. And then also just, you know, your needs versus can we get these guys later, which is why I think we both land on the, as far as the receiver conversation goes, wait till day two, plenty yeah. of good yeah. second, third round guys. Um, but look, whether it's the Patriots or not, actually, let me ask you about one more guy, uh, a sure. linebacker who's only played there for two years. Um, Troy Anderson. Yes. Have you I watched a lot of him? I was doing his report last night, actually. Um, Excellent. He's not very good. Like, here's the thing. <laughs> he, he's yes. one of the most athletic players in this class. He's long. He has long arms. He's tall. He was a 
I think he came in as a, a quarterback or a running back. Switched played around. Both. He basically played like multiple positions. He and he was like an elite player at every position he played: quarterback, running back, and linebacker. Um, so the fact to me that he's not he like to me there's issues on tape. He doesn't take on blocks very well. Like he'll literally just get like knocked over by guys in the second level. That's not great. Um, he misdiagnoses. He kind of get he takes the bait on some plays. This is all because he's learning how to play the position, right? He's like pretty raw at linebacker. He was running back in high school, quarterback in high school, um, you know, and everything you hear about him, I don't know him personally, but everything you hear about him, he's like, just like the, like smart. He was a valedictorian at his high school. Um, he's type A, he wants to get better. He's like an elite, elite athlete, um, size, speed, length, uh, smarts. I don't know about the football IQ. I think that's something that teams are going to have to decide about. Um, But I think he's going to get drafted pretty high because of all the traits that he has and and the potential that he has. Uh, I think right now he's not a very good linebacker, but I think he could certainly develop into a really good linebacker because of all those traits. So that's kind of, you know, that's the question teams are going to have to ask themselves is like, can we just, can we um, develop this guy? Can he develop the types of instincts and and ability to kind of like trigger immediately first step like where am i going with you know uh, my track or whatever and i think that's something that teams are going to have to answer um but like you love all the traits and you love like the fact that i think as a person he's just like a high achiever you know what i mean like he's the type of guy that you can trust i got to talk to him for 10 minutes at the combine i left spooning i mean it helps he's 6'2 240 i imagine yeah yeah. runs runs a 4'4 handsome looking guy but he you know, I think that taking the cheese, like you're saying, all that eye candy, pre-step yeah. motion fakes, like that's very raw. And that's normally for me, when I'm looking at linebackers specifically as Patriot fits, huge red flag. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't want to deal with a, a poor first step because that's what they'll go with slower guys who have a, a better diagnosis of plays than Juwan Bentley, you know, most sure. recently and just say, you're going to get there a little bit quicker than everyone else. Even if once you arrive, you're a little too slow. Right, so, right. but I think because of what you mentioned, Valentor in high school, he was a finalist for the FCS Heisman version of your, you know, all academic team yep. um, and, and played quarterback, right? So that's a position where you need to process quickly, get the ball out in two and a half seconds. I, I haven't watched any of his quarterback tape, but there that might is, be yeah. enough there to kind of mold for a team like New England to say, hey, again, take a redshirt. We did that with Cameron McGrone out of Michigan a year ago, fifth round yeah. pick. He's going to now play here in year two. Um, but I mean, that's just a draft crush of mine. I think because I'm not a draft expert, I got hung up on those guys and can't let go. So well, the other thing that's kind of fun about him is he could do the Patriots thing where he's like lining up at tight end and stuff in the red zone and yeah. running back. He's dude. He is an incredible athlete. He, I mean, he rushed for like a million yards. He, you know, is just the type of guy that can do whatever you ask him. And he, and he was doing everything the coaches asked him in college. Um, so I totally get the love for, for Troy Anderson. I think it's going to be a process, but um, I mean, when you, when I was putting together a report, I was like his background is ridiculous. Like yeah. he grew up on a cattle farm in Montana was like the greatest athlete in the state uh, by far. He was a 4.0 valedictorian. Like, I'm like, Holy crap. Like if you're betting on a human being in the draft, like this is the kind of guy you want to bet on because he's just like, like I said, he's a high achiever. He's going to be the type of guy who puts in the work um, to get better and to improve. And I think really when I was watching it, I'm like, it's just clear that he hasn't like played this position a ton, you know, relative to everybody else that comes up and sort of just plays the same position. So uh, I definitely get that. And I, and I think it's in the draft, it's always about betting on the person too. Um, yeah. So he's the type of guy that I would be like, yeah, I, I would be willing to bet on you because I think you're going to work your ass off to get better. 
Right. And I think the Patriots bet on that more than most teams, right? Like whatever your ceiling is, we'll bet that you'll get there. And it doesn't always work. You know, Jawan right. Williams goes to Vanderbilt, smart guy, super long. You're looking from the trade aspect. He checks all the boxes. He's been their worst corner basically since he arrived, even in year three. So, but I think with Troy Anderson, that's a rare instance where, you know, the traits meet what you're talking about, that personality, that drive of, yeah. you know, that separates guys at the end of the day. If you're maximizing whatever potential you have, I don't have to worry about you. You're a self-starter, even if he's going to need a lot of help, obviously um, playing linebacker. All right. Troy Anderson, Montana state, big, big draft crush for me. Um, give me a couple of your draft crushes guys that you just would talk about whenever you go on a pod. If they yeah. said five minutes, just, just run. My eyes light up when I think about Greg Dulcich from UCLA. Um, mm. He's like, I just think he's so fun to watch, man. Like when I was putting tight end, I was yes. Tight end from UCLA. He, uh, he was a former walk-on for UCLA at receiver and he bulked up while he was there. Um, but I, he's just the kind of guy that like, you're watching other players or, or scouting other like defense or whatever. And like, he keeps showing up. You're like, man, who is this guy with the long hair flowing around? Like he's like creating these explosive plays for UCLA. He's running, you know, down the seam or taking a, taking a little slant and like going 60 yards with it. He's that kind of player. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a superstar in the NFL, but I just think he's the type of guy that's uh, in demand right now with the NFL because he's creating explosive plays. Um, his ADA, his average depth of target in college was, so I can't remember off the top of my head. It was like 17 or something. It was ridiculous for like wow. a tight end. Normally you see those guys at like eight, nine, 10 yards because they're just a little dump off option, but he's going down the field. He's a vertical option for them. Um, you know, his, uh, his yards per catch is way up there. Like he's just an explosive play creator. So that's why I liked him. Good athlete. Um, like a well-built dude. He's pretty athletic in terms of his like movement skills, his agility, all that stuff. So he's a, he's a second, third round type guy that I think will be a fun player to watch in the NFL. Um, so he's, a, he's definitely a guy that I put on my list. I always try to talk about him. Um, let's see here. I'm looking down my list. Lewis seen from Georgia is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Box um, safety. Kind of or like he's more than around. that, but strong guy. Yeah. He's, he's versatile. He ran like a four, three, uh, he's long. He kind of just does a little bit of everything. Um, so he's, he's a guy that I think is going to be a lot of fun. He might end up sneaking into the back, the back half, the last few picks of the first round. Like there's a chance he's a first rounder. Um, and then another receiver that I, that I've kind of, had a crush on is, is Khalil Shakir from uh, Boise state who he, wa- he, he reminded me a little bit of golden Tate. He, he doesn't really look like a receiver. He looks like a running back playing receiver. He's six foot 190. So he's not like a, he's not as thick, I guess, or, or as a uh, gyroscopic balance type guy as golden Tate was, but um, he's, he just, he get, get the ball in his hands. He's going to make things happen. He's very athletic. He's very explosive, sudden. Um, he was uh, incredible. Uh, producer for them and also from everything you hear it's like the troy anderson thing like he's like the best guy like he just works his ass off um so that's kind of i, I he's the type of guy i'm like i want him on my team i want him to uh you know do a whole bunch of different things for us and um you know he may never be a superstar like i said but he's going to be i think a, a guy that is getting significant snaps in the nfl even if he goes in like the third round yeah i like it they the patriots are represented at his pro day up at boise state and oh nice. that's when started the same thing i mean look every team goes to virtually every single pro day but <laughs> right. um the, the same coach ross douglas who, who's going to be working with receivers in some capacity it seems this season bounced around to penn state alabama georgia you know for those receivers and was up there with him and he projects yeah. as kind of a a slot option i mean his, is he limited enough athletically and that's why he's as far as i've seen kind of third fourth round or is it just look, someone's got to fall when the receiver class is this deep. Yeah, I think it's more the latter, honestly. Okay. You know, there's a chance he goes day three. He s- slips into day three. He kind of reminds me, too, of Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit. Like, he doesn't oh, have like that. that – he doesn't have that um, 
like wow factor of any elite trait, his arms are short. So that's going to be a problem for some teams that just don't want guys that have short arms. He's, I think he has like 29 inch arms, which is like pretty short for a receiver. Um, but like, he's just a baller. You know what I mean? Like the, it is an old cliche, but he just like loves ball. He's really good at it. He, he, you know, makes guys miss. He, he has a knack for making like acrobatic catches, catches, even though he's uh, you know got short arms. And so um, I don't know. He's just a guy that I, I thought, you know, just popped a lot on tape. He's just fun to watch. He's the type of guy that like, I think teams are going to really like, cause he, he, he is that, um, you know, hard worker. He's going to get better at his craft. He's a good route runner, all that stuff. So I think he could go, I'm guessing right now he'll probably go third round, late third round or, or early fourth. Like he may fall into the fourth and then you could have a steal on your hands. Like I'm on Ross St. Brown type guy. So, um, but yeah, I do think he is a little bit limited. He's probably not going to be like an outside receiver. He'll probably be a slot guy, um, but he can get involved in the return game, things like that. So, um, there's a lot you could do with him. Um, I like it because you threaded in another Patriots fit into your three draft crushes, um, which now reminds me another guy kind of third around. If you got 30 seconds, uh, John Mechie, what, what have you seen from yes. him? Obviously coming off the ACL, but like that is the most popular receiver mocked to the Pats right now. He He's another guy. He's in that Shakir mode where um, you kind of know what you're going to get. He's not, he's not going to wow you in any one certain area. He's not like an elite speed guy or an elite size guy or, um, anything like that, but like, he's just good. He's just good at football. Um, he can line up all over the field. I think he can play all three different positions, whether it's slot Z or X. Um, he I, has short, he has like short area quickness. He has a uh, run after the catch ability, which I think is kind of underrated. His hands are a little hit or miss, but like overall, he's a really clean prospect. He's just the type of guy who comes in and starts right away. But the problem is he tore his ACL late in the season, I think in the conference championship game. And so he won't be able to start that. That's like really kind of why I think it's been so quiet on Mechie is because he tore his ACL. It's not like he's Jamison Williams where you're, you're this blazing speed guy who also tore his ACL like sucks for these, uh, for these Alabama receivers. But um, I do think he's the type of guy who's going to come in and just be like a productive pro. He's, he's just good. Yeah. I think that's a testament too to just the factory Alabama has become for all those first round receivers where a guy who had over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns last year, didn't even play their entire season. Yeah. It's like, yeah, third round pick. You no know, one's like, talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a guy, and I brought this up before that Nick Saban, which it's the easiest thing to do in Patriots media is like, Oh, Bill Belichick loves Alabama players. Sure. But Nick Saban says of John Mechie in particular, he is the epitome of what a ride receiver should be like everything. Yeah. And that covers every area of his game, what you need to be good at and, and you know, think you can't afford to be bad at. So I, so I think John Mechie, I mean, he might even go higher than, than we think just based on how quiet things are. Cause it's another indication, right? Like teams are not going to air anything about guys they're interested right, in right. and sometimes not even show up to their pro days or have them in for visits. He's flying under the radar. I have heard that he's a second round player. Like it, I think the NFL likes him more than sort of the national narrative is talking about him right now, but I've heard he's going in the second round. He could fall a little bit because this is a really deep class um, and he may end up in the third round, but I doubt he's going to get, I don't, I doubt he's going to get out of the third round. Like I, I comped him to Sterling Shepard. He's a guy who's like, I like that really good and makes the most of his, like uh, of his opportunities. He's just like a solid, solid player, but no one's getting too excited about it kind of deal, you know? Um, so he's just a solid pro. I think that's what he's going to be. He also has like an interesting background. Um, he was born in Taiwan. He lived in Ghana and then he emigrated to Canada. He moved to the U S to play football. He's so he's got like an interesting, you know, like diverse background in terms of like where he's lived in the world. And um, yeah, I just think he's, he's an interesting guy. 
his his bio is basically someone played Mad Libs and was staring at a map while they did it, and we're like, yeah. oh yeah, well, he's all over there. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely all over the map. So, and then he actually moved uh, from Maryland, I think, to New Jersey in high school too. So he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just all over the place. He's a super comfortable dude too in his own skin, which you know, I, I don't know how much people in football care about that, but at least when we got to speak with him at the combine. You know, we're asking questions. Hey, what it would be like to to get together with Mac Jones, obviously a Patriots yeah. angle. He's like, oh, we would be special. And I'm like, this is the guy I want to talk to. <laughs> Even before we get the rookie brainwashing of just the same talking points in New England, like a guy who's just comfortable because he's been all yeah. those different places. And he's had yeah. to be John Mechie at every stop of his life and then to go to Alabama and come out the way that he is now. Like you can trust him to be himself all the time and, and obviously work, which he's done to get yeah. here. Okay. So if we're lower on John Mechie collectively as media than the league is, who are some guys that you're either wildly higher on, maybe not wildly, but higher or lower wildly. on than, yeah, just you are just way out in left field on no, than consensus. Cause I think these are, these are where people like you draft experts, you mm-hmm. know, kind of stake their claims. I was in on this guy when everyone else was out, not for the sake <laughs> of being like a hot take artist, but yeah. I saw something when we're all seeing the same thing, but you know, I'm, I'm looking at something different here. That's a very good question. I would say Dulcich is a guy that I was on pretty early that I really liked. And then he sort of moved up in the process. Now I wouldn't say I'm high on him. I'm probably like right around average with where I got him, but like early on in the process, I think I would have been high on him. Um, I'm looking down my list. Like this guy, Drake Jackson from USC. I think I'm a little bit higher on, on him than consensus. I just think he's really, he's got potential. He's really bendy. He's a big tall long athlete who has sort of changed his weight composition throughout his college career and and i don't really know exactly where he's going to settle but i think he could gain a little bit of weight and turn into a really good edge defender um in the nfl so he's a guy that i'd be willing to like reach a little bit on i think just because um of his athletic and, and agility traits that you don't really see a ton of guys in this class that are super bendy so he's he's to me a very interesting one um, looking down my list here, I think this guy's interesting. I w- I'm not out of left field. Obviously, there's a lot of medical issues, I think, that are going to be the big question with him. But Justin Ross from Clemson is, to me, one of the more interesting prospects in this entire class because as a, as a true freshman, he had a 1,000 yards. He was like – he lit up the college football playoff or whatever, and he was like really good in those games. And then he missed all of, uh, I believe, 2020 with a – they discovered a spinal issue – that they had to do surgery on. He almost had to retire from football altogether. Um, and then in this last season, 2021, he wasn't nearly as good and he didn't look as explosive. Part of the reason is probably because he's coming off of this back surgery, which of course is always a massive concern for a football player. Um, but also he had a stress fracture in his foot that he played through all year. And I can imagine how hard it is. I don't have any firsthand experience, but I'm guessing you get a lot of uh, your explosion sapped when you have a foot, like your foot is broken. Um, yeah. And what I heard was he basically like, could have just not played. He could have had surgery with it early on in the season, but he wanted to tough it out. He basically was just like shooting it up with Toradol every week and just like gutting through this like really painful foot injury. Um, and so he, number one, I think his explosion and his like sort of twitchiness was sapped by that a little bit in 2021. And then he also didn't have time to really prepare. He had surgery in I think November and he didn't really have a ton of time to prepare for like the combine. He didn't, he didn't work out of the combine and he didn't run very well at his pro day. Um, so he's fallen off the map in terms of like the top tier in this class, but there was going into the 2021 season when he kind of announced he was coming back to football, like people had him as like a first round type player. Um, so he's, he's the type of guy that I'm like, I just hope he gets drafted. I want him to go to Jacksonville because I think it'd be fun to see him get, uh, reunited with uh, Trevor Lawrence there and 
kind of just see if he, he can kind of turn his career around because he's just got a lot of natural talent. He's a jump ball guy. He has like huge catch radius, all that stuff you love. Um, but the injury thing is just a massive question mark. That's the word that came to mind when I watched some of him is just natural. Like, again, yeah, don't 100%. overthink this. You watch that yeah. tape from his freshman season. He is to wide receiver as Trevor Lawrence was to quarterback as a freshman. We're like, mm-hmm. the kid has just got it. And obviously, you know, injuries happen, wipes out 2020. But 2021 between the foot, you know, and then the quarterback play he had from DJ, I'm not going to try to say his last name, the Nick right. quarterback at Clemson. It was just the perfect shitstorm, And I think that's where you kind of get lost, but also makes for a perfect guy. You get to the first start of day three, you're starting to throw darts at your draft board, right? Like we're going to take guys with elite single skills, incomplete game, or an okay all around game that we can rely on and hope that there's some more upside with the former, which is exactly what Justin Ross is. You've seen it. Can you count on him to recover and bring that back amid a pandemic injuries and just a total fall off in quarterback play? Yeah, and I didn't even bring up the pandemic. That's another thing. So yeah, like he's the type of guy I would definitely take a risk on in, in day three. Like you're not spending. He's. I don't think he's gonna have. You're not gonna have to spend a ton of money or sorry, uh, high cap uh, draft capital on him because, you know, I think there's just so many medical concerns. He's gonna fall out of day one and two. Um, but he among all like the late guys, I'm just like, take a bet on that talent, man, and the size and just like the overall skill set. Hopefully, he can get back to where he was athletically before. Um, he had his back surgery and his foot surgery, but like, there's just so many specific variables here that I'm like, he could be the type of guy that comes out of nowhere. And is like a fifth round pick that turns out to be a really good player in the NFL. So um, he's a guy that I'm, I'm definitely gonna be keeping an eye on on day three, probably um, considering, you know, there's just probably too many medical concerns with teams right now. Yeah. And I think the injury part too, not to spend 20% of this podcast on Justin Ross, but <laughs> you know, you could take this and apply it to a lot of other prospects, right? Where you get the injury label, your tape suffers, but coaches are going to eat up the fact that it was, you had a stress fracture in your foot and decided to play through it the entire season. Yeah. So if, it out. If, yeah. yeah if your doctors say, look, this is as likely to come back as he would be likely to sustain any other injury. Why the hell not take a shot on that kid who, you know, is going to tough it out bring a locker room presence and again, maximize whatever potentially he has, which last checking in the last normal season he had was first round talent unquestionably. Yes. Yeah, cool. Exactly. All right. A couple more here for you. Um, this, this is fun. You're a draft commissioner for a day, just one day, but you have unlimited power, unlimited changes you make to this process, which for my money, again, we get to group think mid April. It's kind of a slog. I want to hit fast forward and get to the draft. Maybe you don't, but that's where yes, I'm at. No, I absolutely do. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> so, so what are the changes you make draft commissioner, either to the event or the process as a whole? It's going back to one day. I can't, oh. stand, I can't stand the three day thing. It's too, like, I'm like, I need satisfaction now. Like, I don't want to wait. Like, this is exactly what you're just saying. Like, I cannot wait for the draft. This last, this next couple of weeks are going to be, excruciating because I just wanted to be here um so I think it I just missed the days when it was like the, I don't know it, maybe like I'm a, like a sicko or whatever but I'm like man it's just like a fun long day where you're like seven full rounds it's like crazy there's just so much cha- it's just a chaotic day right and now it's like you know the first round and then it's like oh that's exciting and then you know you gotta drag it out like day two is like two two rounds there and it's just like I don't know to me it just like feels way too dragged out I like the long full one day draft like let's just do this whole thing and and get it over with and it's just kind of also I think that the strategy is different for teams now that it's like three days like you can um, spend a little bit more time there's there's certainly like more you know I guess like advantages to being like early in the second round because then you get like a whole like 24 hours or whatever it is to uh, take take phone calls trade reorganize your board whatever it is I'm with you I think I could go two days one would be a lot for me but like I remember very much 
posting yeah. up 2003 Vince Wilfork goes to 21 for the Patriots and there I think the Vikings got skipped in that draft right or maybe oh, yes. it was 02 yes. and they didn't put their pick in time the Ravens jumped them like give me some I more of that I think that's fun I think yeah. that's fun yeah yeah it's just chaos. Up the clocks like two days I'm all in but I, I'm the day three part two is I think a little underrated in terms of just fatigue sets in for everyone we can yeah. all tune into NFL Network start of round six and then everyone's going, Hey, round six, you can still get some guys, Tom Brady, 199. Like yeah. that segment is the same every single year. We don't need yeah. to do with that. And also I remember tweeting at the end of, you know, Saturday last year, day three, I have the Sunday scaries on a Saturday without <laughs> any work scheduled for the next day. Like what is, what's yeah. going on? Cause it just, it just wipes you out. So I can't imagine, yep. you know, how you feel where I'm covering one team and you're over the whole league and the whole draft pods, writing everything. Yeah, it's just there's so much. It's a deluge of information and and like league changing stuff that happens in like a three day period. It's actually kind of crazy because like think about how like impactful the draft is. You know, like mm-hmm. this is where for the guys that are going to be good in the NFL, this is where they're going to be for the next four or five years, and it's going to change the complexion of the league. And we have to like digest that with like you know like a couple hours, like trying to figure out what actually matters. So it's really fun. It's it's a stressful weekend for people in terms of people covering it um but it's also like the most fun weekend i think in, in football I, I honestly kind of like it more than like the nfl playoffs it's just like wow it's so crazy it's like so much fun and so so uh impactful for how the league is going to look over the next few years hashtag football guy that comment yeah. i like the draft more than the football itself but that, hey that's when you know you know what you're doing is yeah. what you love um yeah. that's cool all right any other changes draft process big things you get to be commissioner for day um that's a good question. I don't know. Nothing, nothing else really comes to mind. Um, maybe, maybe speed it up a little, like <laughs> quicker clocks, like make more chaos. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that would be funny too. Like, Oh, here's the thing. The first team that's on the, like the number one pick or whatever this year, the Jags, like don't make us wait the entire 10 or 15 minutes or whatever to like make your, oh, pick. Yeah. Just make, <laughs> you have to make your pick. You don't get a clock. Yeah. You're just, yeah. you have to make your pick immediately. Um, let me ask you this then, you know, cause those are, they're draining clock for TV, right? Like the sure. league goes, Hey, the network, we need to run more commercials. Just everyone in the top five picks, take your time. But people are leaking picks on Twitter. Are yeah. you pro or anti leaking picks early to ruin the TV show, which is really what the draft has become. I'm pro I'm pro leaking. Okay. Yes. I want my information immediately. As soon as it's available, I want it. Um, as you could probably tell, I'm like ready for this draft to happen. Like if you can give me, if you're leaking the picks now, like that's fine with me. Um, I just want to know the information as soon as possible. I don't really care about the TV aspect of it. So if you could know the Seahawks draft class right now, but you couldn't report on it, you couldn't lean anything, like you would, <laughs> yeah, you would take that right now? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> cool. I think I'm with you there. One more idea. <laughs> this just hit me. You talked about like day two, you have an advantage. Uh, if you're at the top of that draft, field trade calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. What if we implemented a lottery at the beginning of day two and day three oh. where they're running the ping pong balls before each be of the second and fourth round. Yeah. And you're going to have good odds. You're in the top 10, but then we don't find out till an hour beforehand. Then you got an hour to make those calls and move around. Then you're scrambling. That's fun. That's like, a, that is another good, like TV thing that people yeah. can tune into. I'm sure right. uh, that'd be fun. I Draft lottery in general would be kind of nice. Honestly. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, then you wouldn't have to really worry about teams like tanking and it, you know, you're not like too worried about like, Oh, the jets beat the Raiders in this one game. And it like completely changed their future. You know, you don't have to worry about the jets second half of the season. How about that? We could just tune them out. No more red zone time for you. We'll see you later after week 10. Yeah. I kind of think it, I I think it makes sense to do a draft lottery. Um, 
I, I just think it's probably like better for the sport if it was that way. But um, there's so I'm certainly, you know, arguments against it, but I think it would probably make a lot of sense to do that. Yeah, I think we're probably getting closer. You know, there, there's more, um, I don't want to say appetite, but tolerance, right, for tanking within different markets where you're like, we're the Lions. We could either do this on purpose and suck or do it by accident always because that's what we've always done and yeah. just yield the benefits of taking on salary, getting higher draft picks. And, you know, it's also – but the sport is still so high variance, right? Just small sample, 17 games. Yes, yes. Lions fans will still talk themselves into we can win on Sunday and do that. And if not, you have the draft to look forward to from the day your season ends all the way until late April, which then becomes Christmas, you know, at that point because yeah. people like you – like the draft more than actual football, which well, I, if, I wouldn't say quite that. I just, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's on the same, it's same level ish. Yeah. But if you're in Houston, <laughs> Detroit, wherever Jets fans, yes. like, you know, then it's something good is coming up. So I, mm-hmm. I think we might be getting closer because you want to yeah. avoid the tanking. And I think it's become more prevalent. And honestly, I wouldn't argue against it. It's smart business. Yeah. If you get your yeah. first year as a new GM and head coach, your team probably sucked the year before. That's why you're there. Clean house, do what you got to do. But the more that happens, obviously the league is kind of watered down. The more we add these games to the regular season, you don't want that product to fully uh, fall off. But all right, we'll get you out on this. Um, just give me one bold prediction. You know, let's let's really get out in left field and set up camp and Ooh. have a picnic. And here's Danny Kelly saying X is going to happen in the draft. This is one thing I've been hearing more whispers of lately, but uh, eight receivers in the first round. Like wow. run, on, run on receivers. Um, because look at what's happening in the NFL. Like, think about think about the Christian Kirk contract and how much that changed the NFL. Think about how pissed <laughs> the other 31 front offices were about the Christian Kirk Freaking contract. Balky. Yeah. Um, so I think it it wasn't the res- direct result of this, but like, you know, you can look at the Devontae Adams trade, which is a massive like league shifting potential trade. Um, you get the Tyreek Hill trade, which again is like could potentially change the entire AFC. Who knows? Um and you got these exploding contracts for receivers. You can have uh, a re- rookie receiver in a first round for like 13, 14 million on a full contract versus paying a receiver 30 million a year or 25 million a year or whatever um, for the elite receivers. Um, I think that teams are going to see that and be like, look, we can, we can make do maybe not f- like one-to-one replace our receiver core with like rookies, but we can make do with rookies. We've seen rookies come in and c- contribute immediately repeatedly over the years. And there's always good rookies in, in the draft these days, like receivers, I should say um, the receiver position is just stacked right now. So teams are going to say, look, we can save money. We can, we can have a rookie receiver plus all these other assets. We can either sign in free agency or whatever. And that just makes our team better. So that's, I think like the theory behind it. And I, and I think there's a deep enough class this year where you could see like a real run last few picks, maybe be receivers in the first round. And then you get like, Hey guys, you get like Jahan Dotson sneaking in there, Christian Watson, um, George Pickens is another guy that's like, I think got potential to be in the first round. So that would be a big shock, but I think it'd be fun too, to see like eight guys go in the first round. I like it. The only part I'm wrapping my head around is eight, receivers in the first round means 25% of those first round picks are coming from the same position. So you're going, you're not going for picks without a receiver in the entire first round. But (laughs) I think, I think the last thing you said really hits on it because think about those teams in the back end of the first round, you know, you start with the Patriots 21 um, Buffalo might want to add a receiver 25, you know, the Packers, the chiefs, you know, yep. the further you get back, like the Ram, you know, the Rams aren't there anymore, but the lions might take one there to give more. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Like there are so many teams who also might then trade up, you know, at that point um, to kind of grab a receiver, especially if there's a run. And this is how, you know, I'll say this, that the league is making a whole run on receivers. 
even the Patriots, new director of player personnel, Macro, admits you have to be proactive to get these receivers. So if they are in in the draft, yeah. like getting a receiver, the rest of the league is certainly way ahead of them and already there. So yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. All right, Danny Kelly, this was fantastic. I really appreciate the time, man. You're going to be super busy over these next two weeks, um, you know, pre and post draft. Where can people read you, find you? What, what do you want them to see and read most? Check out theringer.com uh, for my NFL draft guide. It's uh, nfldraft.theringer.com. And then uh, the Ringer NFL draft show is our podcast that I'm doing two times a week. And yeah, just check out theringer.com. I'm at, on Twitter at Danny V. Kelly. Awesome. One stop shopping. I forgot to bring up the draft guide, which is a on me second episode of this podcast. I got to go back and take <laughs> no some words. laps and as a, <laughs> as a host. But the best part about that is, is all the shades of Nintendo characters are the yes. comparisons. We're not getting one for one old player that you haven't heard of. It's like you're going to know exactly what Danny means, even if in the first second you're going, what the <laughs> is he talking about? Yeah, that's my cool. goal. That's my goal. Beautiful. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. OK, let's wrap this up. Mail time. As I mentioned, we had three questions. One from Twitter, uh, actually two from Twitter, and then one via email. First up, at Patriots Feeder, don't even know her, is asking, given what Mac shown with the offense and the clear growth potential of nearly every piece of it this year, assuming that means the offensive line and the weapons, shouldn't the rest of free agency in the draft just be dumped into the defense? I've never seen a Bill Belichick defense get worse as the year went on. Um, it's true. It, it was horrendous down the stretch. You're looking at the Colts game, the two Bills games, and I think – the point of this question is spot on, honestly, because when we talk about all offseason, hey, the Patriots need to support Mac Jones. It's year two. He's a young rookie quarterback and rookie contract. We're usually talking on offense, right? But I think the Patriots see it differently and a little bit more holistically, where you can support Mac Jones um, by stopping Jonathan Taylor on an obvious run off left tackle and forcing a punt to get on the ball back in Indianapolis. You can help Mac Jones by forcing a single punt against the Bills in your last two meetings. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I think they will be inclined to pour into defense to help Mac. But the draft, because for agency at this point, they've got less than a million in space. There are no more big signings coming. The draft, it's important to remember, is not only for addressing roster needs today, but really tomorrow. And you've seen this in past Patriots drafts where they're taking a left tackle, Nate Solder and Isaiah Wynn, even in the first round, a year before they need them, or even go to last year's draft, you know, Mac Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, Christian Barmore get all the headlines because they were instant impact guys. But there were also three draft picks in that class where they were intentionally redshirted. Ronnie Perkins, third round guy, edge defender out of Oklahoma, doesn't play a single defensive snap as a rookie because they didn't need him. However, when you look at the depth this year, you know, they need someone opposite Matt Judon. And that was kind of a luxury pick where Perkins was the best player on the board. And you know what the way the contracts are structured in 2022, we're going to need him. So they took him. Same thing with Cameron McGrone, inside linebacker to Michigan. He falls into the fifth round, a little bit of a lighter guy. He's, you know, among the speedier Patriots linebackers. They didn't need him last year. You know, Dante Hightower was back. Juwan Bentley was here. Kyle Vanoy had resigned a two-year contract. Well, Bentley and Hightower, as we know, were free agents. Hightower's still out there. Kyle Vanoy, the second year of that deal, was easy for the Patriots to cut bait, and they did. Now enter McGrone, a guy that you know you're going to need in 2022. Let him rest up. Same thing with Joshua Bledsoe, six-round pick. At a Missouri safety nickel kind of guy, you don't need him, but it was best player available and it might be a need in the future. So that's where the Patriots are. And I think that's where you're going to see places like receiver, maybe a John Mechie in round two or round three, a receiver you don't need in 2022. They're happy with their top four, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers. Aguilar and Myers are up after this year. Bourne, you know, things really go south. They can get out of the last year of his deal really, really easily. 
Um, so you need a receiver in 2023. The draft is about investing, taking the best player available and investing in the long term. Second question, this was from Rick via email. With all the talk about the Patriots and Ethan linebackers, why are we not hearing anything about Josh Uche, Anthony Jennings, and Ronnie Perkins? Well, scratch off Ronnie Perkins. We just hit on him. As for Uche and Jennings, um, Jennings also was kind of a redshirt last year, right? He gets injured in training camp. We never see him again. Uche gets hurt a little bit, kind of gets phased out. But he's suffering really from, you know, Chase Winovichitis here, where you also just can't trust him to set the edge in first and second down. And I think that's what's held him back, where even on third down, Look, the quick twitch stuff, the get off, the bend around the edge is unparalleled on the roster. But you need to show more than that. You need to show some discipline, not get behind the quarterback where you're useless and then leaving avenues for them to escape and scramble with as many dual threats as there are across the league. So I think you'll see an impact for Muche, who, look, you know, stole my heart at training camp last year when he's getting like five sacks against the Giants and doing practices. It was one of the best defenders in the field. But you need more than the sacks and the flash plays. You need some substance. And I think they're counting on more substance from him. But it's been two years and you just haven't seen it. And Jennings, same deal. I mean, both of them were put in inside linebacker and outside linebacker during 2020, just simply at a need. I think they understand both these players better. But it's just really, really hard to kind of put these guys' names in Sharpie on the depth chart when there's nothing to date that they've shown to deserve that. But I think what they're saying is out of those three names, Uche, Jennings, and Perkins, one should fit. Lastly, a couple questions about Debo Samuel. I've been open about this. I wrote about this uh, two weeks ago before he apparently officially requested a trade. Is there any chance uh, from a couple people on Twitter? Bottom line, no. Uh, this would be a lot of fun. I wrote up a trade. Here were the terms that I came up with. And you can kind of you know, change these a little bit. I think this might have been an over-the-top offer. But, I mean, for all the production Debo Samuel had and the value he has as a, a receiver and a running back, this is a fair offer. It was Kyle Duggar, the 49ers need strong safety, their first round pick, the Patriots this year, number 21, a second round pick next year, and a fourth next year. So disclaimer, this is the first sentence that's in that article. This trade is not happening. And I think it's largely not just due to the, the haul the Patriots have to give up. And mind you, Bill Belichick is never giving up that kind of draft capital, particularly future draft capital um, in trades. But supposedly, Debo Samuel wants to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. That's just a non-starter for the Patriots who, look, they've re reset the market a couple of times, and that's been overlooked. You're looking at Gronk back in, I think it was 2012, um, Stephen Goskowski for kickers, but Tom Brady never reset the market for, for quarterbacks. If so, it was a long time ago and very briefly, you know, so they're not going to do that for a non-quarterback and especially at a position like receiver where time and again, we've shown, they've shown, they would rather have two kind of second tier guys, a la Nelson Aguilar, a la Kendrick Bourne a year ago, even when they're spending versus investing in a number one because of the way they feel they can take him out of the game with a double team, shading a safety over the top. It's just not worth the investment. So from the investment via trade, all those draft picks and Kyle Duggar or someone of that ilk, um, plus the amount of money you're talking 20 million or more per year for a guy entering his prime, which is probably his market value. They're just not going to do it. Team I would look, though, to maybe acquire Tebo Samuel, and you're going to hate this, would be the Jets because they have the draft picks, they have the cap room, and they have another rookie quarterback who needs some more help. Uh, is it going to get done? Who knows? I don't think San Francisco should want to trade their second best player in the roster and best when George Kittle's hurt. So that's where I would start. It's a fun conversation. So I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago on fake trades. But all right, this has been Pat's Interference Episode 2. Next week, I won't tell you the player but he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's done some media since. 
And I think we're going to have a great time in episode three as we get closer to the draft. So please subscribe, rate, and review. Every single person in podcast history says this, but if you like what you've heard, you take two seconds. It's a huge favor to us, and we really appreciate the time. So have a good weekend. We'll see you next week.